Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 223 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my wonderful co-host, as always, Adnan Ikech at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing well, ready for another hate week against the New Orleans Saints, and um, ready to watch the Desmond Ritter era begin, and yep. hopefully to stay alive in this division somehow that whereas five and eight somehow has us in the hunt for a potential home playoff game would have thought yeah not not out of the question we could be tied atop the nfc south standings once again in week at the end of week 15 uh the falcons were to win and the bucks were to lose which the bucks losing seems likely considering they're playing the cincinnati Bengals. uh it would be well, both these teams back at six and eight, uh, which is just crazy. But, um, you know, technically the Falcons are still in it. And a lot of that hope from fans, because I know there's been a reinvigoration among the fan base with the news, of course, that Desmond Ritter has been named the starting quarterback officially of the <clears throat> excuse me, Atlanta Falcons, which is exciting. It's a change. It's different. Will it create something positive will it be sort of a wash will it be a negative that is sort of the thing we don't know right now and that's one of the main things we're going to cover in tonight's show uh we're also going to be talking about some of the recent injury updates like marcus mariota officially going on ir today and having knee surgery uh, as well as elijah wilkinson returning to practice and the starting lineup matt hennessy being designated to return uh all of those sorts of updates we will get to off the top and We'll spend a lot of the uh, show tonight sort of talking about Ritter and how he will change both the offense and the team as a whole because, you know, Atlanta going with a rookie quarterback, notable change, might change the vibes. You know, who knows if the vibes matter, uh, but they might. So let's uh, let's get to like sort of the topic du jour, which is there was a lot made about this whole Marcus Mariota situation, you know. It's very complicated. Apparently, he will actually have surgery. So, you know, I don't think they're faking a surgery or anything like that. But also, the injury hadn't cropped up on any report prior to, you know, now. Uh, and he, it, you know, calling it chronic makes it seem like this is something he's been dealing with for a while. But apparently, it didn't rise to the level of something until now that needed to, that was affecting his practice participation. But, you know, it's possible he aggravated it. It's possible. A lot of things are possible. But, I guess we'll just start with, you know, Adnan, sort of what, what do you, what's your sort of thoughts on that situation? It's kind of dicey. I, I don't think we're ever going to get the full story on that, but w- where are you sort of with that stuff right now? Okay. So like you said, we don't know everything that went into this, right? We don't know the full details. <clears throat> All I can speculate on and we are speculating right now is on what we see and what what it seems like so here are the details for those that missed it uh, arthur smith announced or told the team on thursday that marcus mariota is getting benched in favor of desmond ritter we knew this according to the athletic report Marcus Mariota the next day decided to leave the team and he will not be with the Atlanta Falcons for the rest of the season and probably moving forward. Um, So I know there was a big civil war going on on Falcons Twitter yesterday about, you know, Marcus Mariota about, you know, did he quit on the team? Um, You know, what, what people's opinions are. I'm of the opinion that, I think he did. 
I think he did quit on the team because, and, and here's my reason for it. I don't think that we would have even known about this knee injury if it was, if uh, the news hadn't dropped that Desmond Ritter was taking over the starting job. Chronic knee injury, as you mentioned, means that it's been lingering for a long time. I think the definition is three plus months for it to be chronic. So he's probably been dealing with it all season. It didn't even register enough to pop up on an injury report. Um, I'm not saying he's not hurt. Uh, I definitely do think he is hurt. He's getting surgery. But I think that after Ritter took over the starting job, I think that's where he was pretty much like enough. I'm going to go get surgery on this now. And I, and he's leaving the team. So he, he's not going to be a part of the team. Um, I think Arthur Smith is disappointed just based on the tone in his press conference, just reading the tea leaves there. Um, I think the Falcons probably didn't see it coming because, you know, uh, I think they expected Mariota to be the backup moving forward. And, you know, if, if I am correct in my speculation, because again, this is just speculation right now, um, I'm incredibly disappointed in Marcus Mariota just because it's, it's rather unprofessional because he did get his shot. He didn't play up to par. And, you know, now instead of helping to mentor Desmond Ritter moving forward, the way he said he would in the preseason, by the way, remember we talked about how Mariota outright told, I think sports illustrated that he would definitely be willing to, you know, be a mentor to Desmond Ritter and how he, you know, relishes, uh, having voices in the quarterback room and how it, it'll help everyone improve. Um, but it, it just seems, it, it's just really disappointing that he's just outright leaving the team, uh, even though, yeah, you know, even though he has a chance to stay and, and to help out. And I think Arthur Smith was counting on him being a suitable backup and one of the better backups in the NFL, just in case something happens. But Overall, it's it's just incredibly disappointing, and I I think it's a really bad look for Mariota now and moving forward for his next contract because he's not coming back to the Falcons next season for salary cap purposes and for you know for I guess this at this point because I don't think Arthur Smith would want him back right now. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it's just one of those things where I don't think the Falcons saw it coming at all. We didn't see it coming, and you know, best of luck to Marcus Mariota. But yeah, his time as a Falcon is definitely done. Yeah, uh, it's a tough situation, right? I mean, because we have to speculate because we're they're never gonna make this clear because I think the Falcons are too classy of an organization to to throw a player under the bus even if they maybe deserve it. Um, I don't think your read on the situation is necessarily wrong. Uh, you know, and technically, look, Mariota can step away from football at any time. You know, the, the contract is, is voluntary. Uh, so it's not like he can't retire or quit if he if he wants to. It's just there are consequences for that. And I think that's what you're saying, Adnan, is, mm-hmm. you know, it could yeah. have very serious consequences for his career after this if it does come out even privately that he did potentially, you know, quote unquote, quit on the team or step away. And um, I don't because blame the, him necessarily for wanting to, I guess. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, the thing is, like, it was announced on Friday. I'm just putting the timeline together. It was announced on Friday that he was leaving the team. And then, like, after that, uh, it's that he was opting to get surgery. You can still remain on, uh, you can still be on IR and still be around the team. Uh, I yeah. think that his mentorship would have been very valuable to Desmond Ritter, you know, a, a, as that veteran backup quarterback behind him. Like we saw it, we saw it in Indianapolis when Matt Ryan was benched uh, before Jeff Saturday was appointed. Matt Ryan pretty much said that even though he wasn't going to be the first or second stringer, he was going to do everything in his power to. Uh, help uh, the young quarterback, you know, navigate through through the murky waters of his first NFL starts. Um, Mariota, it was just announced that he was leaving, and and I understand, like he he did he did have a child. Congratulations to the Mariota family. Absolutely, but I mean, he's not away at 
he, you know, he's not overseas in, in the army right now and that he can't like see his chat, like he would still be able to be at home, you know, go home, you know, whatever. But uh, the, the consequences of it is that it's still fair to criticize the decision, even though, you know, he's not under the obligation to stay to play out the contract. Like the fan base has every single right to criticize him. Arthur Smith has every single right to be disappointed. Um, and I, I think that Arthur Smith more than anyone is the person he let down the most because that's the person who believed in him the most, even like even to a fault, I, I would say this season. So uh, I, I don't know the the consequences of these actions will will play out and best of luck to him in the future. But yeah, this was just, this was just a super disappointing move for someone who we had nothing but great things to say about off the field, even though we did criticize his play on the field. Yeah. And it's a bit surprising, like you said, because I think that he, he did do basically everything right from an, like from an off field perspective you know, everyone raved about him. Everybody seemed to really respect him in the building. I mean, I think the respect is still there among the team. Like we saw Lorenzo Carter make a uh, make a make it clear that you know they weren't faulting him for stepping away. It's it's really it's a it's difficult for him, and and this is not the first time that this has happened. And I, I recognize that he's this is probably very psychologically challenging for him having been benched multiple times. You know, when you come into the league as like a, a top two pick legendary college player, Heisman winner and have opportunities to start and then fall short. I mean, I think I, I imagine it's very tough mentally and, and very difficult. Um, so I want to respect that, but it happens to a lot of guys and, and you got, and I, I do think that the Falcons were hoping to have his leadership ability, his mentor, his mentoring, like all that stuff on the sidelines to help Desmond Ritter. And it does sound like Mariota has kept the lines of communication open with Ritter. And he was like, look, please reach out to me if you need anything, like if I can help you. And, you know, hopefully those two will continue to talk and everything will be, you know, positive there. But um, it's it's tough. Uh, and I, I don't really disagree with anyone who has soured on Mariota after this. Um, I, I think the NFL will take a close look at, at what has happened. Um, and you know, it could really affect his, his future in the league if it's, you know, if the worst has come to pass, but maybe he doesn't care. Um, maybe he's just done with football and he, and he wants to just step away. You know, he's made, I think somebody referenced he's made over 60 million. Um, maybe that's enough. You know, he, and like Mariota's sort of a unique guy as well, because as everyone here is familiar, he has a very dedicated fan base, uh, a Hawaiian fan base, a fan base from Oregon. I mean, I could, I imagine he could continue doing promotional stuff, commercials. Probably could get on TV or radio and do a career there, especially in Hawaii, uh, because of his ties there. He's like one of the most famous Hawaiian athletes currently playing football, so I, I know he has a very dedicated following. So he might have other paths for for revenue that that a lot of other guys might not have so you know if that's what he wants to do more power to him I, I just would have preferred I think for him to do it in the offseason and step away then as opposed to during the season but um but it is his prerogative it in is fairness. Like, yeah and Arthur Smith mentioned it and we're not saying yeah like uh you know you have to like stay no matter what like I mean it's like he he is under under contract. I think the Falcons will, on their end, uh, honor honor the contract. They're putting him on IR. They're going to pay him out for the rest of the season. You know, we're just saying that it's disappointing that right now he's he's leaving in the middle of what could be a potential playoff push. Uh, you know what when, you know when you do have a a young quarterback right there. Uh, and Desmond Ritter, and when, you know, potentially, like, what what if something happens to Ritter in this New Orleans game? Like, it, it, then the season's super over at that point. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, it is his prerogative, and I do, if he is choosing to retire, I absolutely wish him the best in that. Uh, if and when he does move on to the Falcons, I wish him the best, you know, in those endeavors as well. But, you know, the Falcons definitely aren't bringing him back next year and no no matter what happened throughout the season i think you know it's it's 12 million dollars i think in cap savings next season yes. and he has 
a roster bonus as of what March nineteenth. Yeah, as which well. they were never going to give him unless he yeah. was the starter. So yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, I think they were going to part ways either way at the at the end of the season. I think that's just how the contract was structured out. And you know, I am excited to see these next four games of Desmond Ritter. You know, no matter what the situation is with the backup. Yeah. So, you know, we'll continue to monitor, but yeah, it does seem like the relationship unfortunately has soured and Marcus Mariota is unlikely to be, Marcus Mariota wasn't going to return on this contract unless he won the starting job and proved himself in that capacity. Uh, So either way, he was going to be released to save, like Adnan said, the 12 million. Um, But now that this has happened, you sort of doubt that there's a reunion, because I think before it was possible that if he didn't get any offers to start, elsewhere that the Falcons would have happily taken him back as as their veteran backup behind a rookie because that's that's the type of guy they're going to be looking for um with with Ritter starting if that's the route they go next season so we'll see um but I I think it's doubtful that that is is something that happens going forward that Mariota is back and that's sad because I think we I think we saw that like even though he wasn't taking this offense to like a great level he was certainly good enough um to to be like a backup here that could I mean he won this he won five games he kept this this team afloat the offense certainly was functional it just wasn't particularly great or good like the passing game was very limited but as a backup I think he's certainly he would be he's one of the best backups in the NFL he's clearly capable of being that level of player he certainly deserves to be on an NFL team so um hopefully he can he can do what he wants to do going forward and and you know, I hope he's able to at least spend some time with his kid now. Uh, congratulations for sure on that. Um, but uh, sad that that it had to end like this because, like you said, it it was such a good relationship. I felt, and I, I, it was such a nice story, even though it ended with his benching. Um, it's sad to see it come to an end like this potentially. Um, so, want to give a shout, uh, Chance Parker? What's up? Says first time catching the live stream. Usually listen on Spotify. Keep up the good work, Go Falcons. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Welcome to the show. Uh, also wanted to give a shout out to patron uh, John Barnard for his donation uh, to the Senior Bowl Fund. John, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate that. I know you're in the chat, uh, so I wanted to, to thank you personally. So I do appreciate that. And if you're interested in supporting the Senior Bowl Fund, uh, you can do that at the link in the show description. It's uh, streamlads.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. Uh, leave a question. We'll be sure to answer that for you. Uh, you can also do Venmo if you prefer that. It's in, uh, on my Twitter account, at Kevin. There's a link there. Um, and yeah, like and subscribe, all that good stuff, guys, as we get into some more Falcons topics. Next thing I wanted to cover, um, I think the biggest news, well, there's two guys coming back that are probably both equally important, but Elijah Wilkinson has been on IR, officially activated off IR, and today was practicing with the starters again. How big do you think his return is, uh, for this offensive line, Adnan? Because I thought he was playing really well before he got hurt. Oh, he was playing really well before he got hurt. Like, I mean, he wasn't like an elite guard. Uh, I think he had his PFF grade this season was a 64.7, which when you compare it to the other left tackles that we've had over the years, that's that's really, really solid. Um, it's really solid. I think Jalen Mayfield last year was like a 30. Um, and he started all season. But yeah, Elijah Wilkin, I'm really excited about this. I think that was one of those unsung losses. He's one of the unsung heroes, and I think it was one of those very under-the-radar losses that were that was really, really, you know, bad for this offensive line. I don't want to say outright catastrophic, but you could tell that this team, this, this offensive line sort of took a step back when Wilkinson went down to injury, and it's great that he's back, and he's not back a moment too soon. Um, because we have this stretch run coming up and, you know, I think, I think he was doing a great job. He had a lot of continuity with Dalman and, and Matthews to, to either side of him, but it's, um, you know, it, it's nice to have some of these guys coming back healthy. And like I said, not a moment too soon because this team feasibly, I know we're talking about the play. They do have a chance at the postseason. They feasibly have to go at least three and one. Yeah, without one loss, maybe being only to the Ravens, if you will have it, because I don't think you're allowed to lose any of the other three NFC games. You definitely can't lose to the Bucks or the division game to the Saints. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden, the schedule right now 
you know, Kyler Murray and Rondell Moore are down for the season for the the Cardinals. Best of luck to Kyler Murray in his in his recovery. You never you always hate to see someone go down to an injury the way that he did, but I'm really, really happy that he signed his extension last offseason. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about that aspect of it. Um, you know, the Saints are the Saints look broken. Uh, and then you have the Bucks who who don't the Bucks aren't striking fear in anybody right now. This isn't the Bucks of the last two years. And then even the Ravens, you may not have to face Lamar, even though Huntley is maybe one of the best backups in the game right now. But there is, you know, the, the door is open. The door has just stayed open all season, despite the fact that this team has played poorly, and despite the fact that this team has tried to shut it, it itself. Like there's just like a rock that's just like keeping it ajar. Yeah, it's... I mean, the Bucks being bad is is the opening the door for everyone in the division. I mean, the only team that would probably be out of it is if the Falcons beat the Saints this week. There, and and the Panthers win, then they're probably like more like effectively out of it. But um, you know, it even they wouldn't technically be mathematically eliminated at that point. But you know, it, the Panthers also. I think. I mean, I think technically the Panthers have a better chance to make the playoffs right now than the Falcons, and a lot of that has to do with how these teams have played over the last few weeks. You know the. Falcons have been very uninspiring, whereas the Panthers have been playing better. Um, so it's it it's funny to me that that we're in the mix, but it is uh, something that is a reality with the NFC South in this state. And like you said, the Falcons getting healthy here and making a change at quarterback these these are things that could result in in a spark and in a, a late season you know, getting hot late in the season. I don't know that it's like likely in the grand scheme of things that they like go on a run here, but enough things are coming together where you could squint and be like, well, this is the ingredients for something happening. And Elijah Wilkinson coming back, I think is certainly one of them. And honestly, in his absence, the Falcons have shown that they have like a good stable of guys there. Like Matt Hennessy in his one game looked positive. Uh, Chuma Adoga in his one game looked positive. Colby Gossett has played the most games of anyone and he's had some up and down games but I think on the whole he's been fine like oh this is a guy you'd be happy to have as your backup left guard um so the it's just funny to me that we've turned around from that position just being an absolute train wreck to like oh yeah they have like three or four guys that have started and it hasn't fallen apart and you know credit to Dwayne Ledford for that certainly but um you know the the other one we'll talk about is Arnold Ebicady, uh, who's definitely the Falcons' best pass rusher already for you know as the second round pick, and the pass rush has really fallen off a cliff in his absence. Um, how big do you think that return uh, could be for this team? Because he practiced in full today, so also very big because that's I think your best pass rusher. Um, that goes you know it goes without saying. Uh, this pass rush really did sort of fall off a cliff without him, so. You know, it, it's going to be it, it, this bye week, the late bye week. I'm not a fan of, but it's sort of the the good part about it is that the Falcons did have a bunch of nicked up guys, banged up guys, as as every team does at this point. Where it's like, you, you know, now they can sort of get healthy. They didn't have to miss extra games. Even the guys who were probably weren't at 100, who were playing through injuries, who came back from injuries, like like an AJ Terrell, for example, um, you know, they're probably a bit healthier at this point. So it's, it's huge. Like this is huge to have some of these, you know, some of these guys back and, you know, healthier. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't wait to see, to see it all come together because, you know, maybe, maybe it might click this, this week against the Saints, who knows, but uh, I definitely like our chances way more with the you know, in the lineup and with Wilkinson in the lineup than without them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I've been really impressed by Ebicadia. I think he's, he's been one of the, definitely the brightest spots and one of the best players out of that draft class so far. And they desperately, the Falcons desperately needed someone to emerge at edge. And I think he has, he has certainly lived up, uh, to that. I mean, the sacks haven't all been there, but I don't want to blame him entirely for that because of the state of the rest of the defensive line. I think D'Angelo Malone has shown some things, so hopefully he's a guy we can rely upon going forward. So they they definitely have some guys there 
Um, still need a lot of reinforcements. And like you mentioned, the cap space and, and the ability to have hopefully a more productive full off season uh, is big. And I, I think that will be a factor um, who they sign there. And they do have a full complement of draft picks as well. So they've got, they, they need to keep improving at those areas. But I think for this season, Arnold and is absolutely needed for them to sort of spark any sort of run on defense. And the Saints are vulnerable right now. That offensive line is not playing particularly well. Um, that offense in general is just really slumping this year. So Ebicady returning uh, could be big in particular for this game and, and for the rest of the season. But Corey with the $5 here. Thank you so much, Corey, for that donation. Uh, says, in order for the Falcons to make the playoffs, I think they need to they need to win the division. Yep, that's true. And I think they might have to go 4-0 and while the Bucks go 2-2. Two and two. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's possible for the Falcons to get there at 3-1, and one, but you're not wrong. Like, I think the, the, the easiest way for them to make it is to just go 4-0. Like, that... They go four and zero. They probably make it. Like I think they have. They would probably, if you put into the playoff simulator that they went four and zero, they probably have like a seventy five or more percent chance of making it. Um, so I don't disagree with you there. Do you? Do you think uh, not that the, they'd have to go four and zero to make it, or you think they could maybe squeak uh, by with three and one? I think four and zero gets us in because the Bucks, the Bucks would have a loss uh, automatically to the Falcons in that case. Um, because they play each other last week of the season. I think the Bucks will lose to a really good Bengals team right now that's hitting its stride. So I think in that case, that's that's two losses for the Bucks already. And the Falcons make it up at 4-0. 3-1, the math gets more complicated. Um, because, like I said, I think if you were to make it at 3-1, the one loss has to be only to to the Ravens. Like, I don't think... An NFC loss, another NFC loss, I think that would be kind of catastrophic at this point. Um, but you have a chance to match the Bucks on tiebreakers. If, you know, if the Bucks lose to the Panthers, if that's one of their losses, then I think mo- many of the tiebreakers match up. I just don't know what the tiebreaker would be. I haven't done the math on uh, records against similar opponents. That would be... That would be the next tiebreaker needed uh, in my scenario where where the Bucks lose to the Panthers uh, and go, I think, two and two, and the Falcons yeah. go three and one. Um, or excuse me, I think the Bucks yeah. would go one and three. And that's I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have yeah. the number in front of me, but basically, it would behoove the Falcons for the Bucks to lose to the Panthers. Is yeah, unless. Unless the Bucks fall off a cliff, and then the Panthers are actually who we're competing with, and then it does get dicey though. Like this is this is where we are in the NFC South. This like this like you know yeah. the the meme you know with just the numbers floating by in the background. Like that's where we are with this NFC South. This Everyone point. technically is in it mathematically. I think theoretically only the Saints are out just because of that extra loss that they have. Yeah. But right now the you know Falcons, Panthers, and Bucks. You know, they're they're there and they're there because the Bucks are keeping the door open. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the best thing might be for the if the Falcons were to go three and one, if the if the Bucks were to lose out except for the Panthers game, if the Bucks just get, handed the Panthers a loss and the Falcons uh, went three and one, that might be the best scenario depending on on everything. So that would mean the Bucks went one and three. And the Falcons went three and one and then they, but they beat the Panthers to keep the Panthers from catching up, you know? So it's very complicated. I don't want to do all this math, but the, yeah, Falcons the fact that we're even yeah. talking math and talking about these scenarios yeah. sitting here at five and eight is actually like, <laughs> it's it's like borderline insane right now, but that's just the state of the NFC South at the moment. Yeah. So it's weird. It's very weird, but uh, you know, that's just how it is right now. Um, in this yeah, NFC South. Yeah. Yeah, th- there is, there is a scenario. I don't know. I don't know if this scenario will play out. But if the Falcons go three and one, and the Bucks go two and two, they'll be tied. But it depends on what those wins and losses are, where it could be in favor of the Falcons. But you know, we'll, we'll see a play out. And with each passing week, it'll be a lot more clear. And you know, this is this is a must win. Like you know, we're we're, we're on the top of, of this week in the Saints. Like this week is absolutely like lock it in, must win. If we lose, 
if the Falcons lose this week, like there is no more like playoff. Just mathematically, maybe, but like like it'll be over. I think at that point, yeah, yeah. yeah the Bucks, then we're talking about the draft pick for sure. Like, yeah, okay. I, I thought, yeah, at that point, we're looking at the tank. Yeah, it's like okay, well maybe we can get in the top five. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean it's a tough game coming up, and that that's a good place to transition towards that part of the show. Um, the Falcons are four and a half point underdogs, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that nobody knows what Desmond Ritter is going to offer. It's a rookie making his first start on the road against what is a good pass defense. Um, so they're gonna they're the the betting markets aren't going to give a lot of credit to to a rookie quarterback making his first start against a good defense. So um, it it's expect like Ritter's going to be a big underdog. So it's really a question of how ready is he. Uh, and according to everything we've heard, and I wouldn't expect to hear anything negative about Ritter, I mean, let's be honest, but it really seems like over the last month, based on the reporting that we've read, that Ritter, in terms of the mental side of things, has really impressed the coaching staff and really sort of grasped the mental side of this offense in greater detail over the past month. That's where they've seen a huge improvement. Um... And, you know, maybe that is why they elected to keep Mariota in for this last, you know, after the buy, like basically until the buy to give Ritter the chance to sort of catch up to where they feel he needed to be. And maybe now they're more comfortable with where he is. But at this point, we've been told there will not be any limitations placed on him, that they are going to be running the full offense, that they have full confidence in Ritter to be ready to go. And so then it becomes, do we expect to see any changes? How will things change? Because I, I think that, they will probably change a little bit. I don't know if it'll be drastically different, but um, what do you think, God? Now, just right off the top, like expectations for for Ritter going into the Saints game. What what do you? Th- what's your sort of baseline of what you're you're looking for on Sunday? I'm just looking for a smart football game. I know there's going to be you know some mistakes. I I. I warn and urge people not to fall into the trap of over expectations um, because, you know, as much as it would be great to watch Ritter slice and dice the Saints for 350 yards and three scores, and if it happens, like, we will be, you know, running the, a victory lap uh, on the show afterwards. Um, I think it, it's important to, you know, remember that this is, after all, a rookie making his first ever start in, I think, the most hostile environment. Uh, it, probably the most hostile or a top three most hostile environment in the NFL, which is a game at, at the Superdome against the Atlanta Falcons specifically. Because, you know, those Saints fans, even though well, their season isn't technically over yet, but they will be out in full force to try and you know, beat the Falcons and to complete that sweep. But, you know, uh, I, I just like to see, you know, Ritter keep his head, you know, have have a, a, a mature game. Not, don't try to force too much. Don't try to force the issue. Um, so, it, you know, it's just one of those games where I, I don't think we can look at, at, at the stat sheets, like at the end of the game and really fully properly evaluate them just based off the box score. I think it'll all depend on, on what we see, yeah, you know, what, what we see from him regarding decision-making, regarding his reads, you know, just all, all, all of that kind of stuff. But the Falcons, I think Arthur Smith will do everything he can to protect him a little bit, to set him up for success. I think the Falcons will lean on the run game a lot. Um, and, you know, the Falcons have, um, have the capability to do that. I think it, it's different than... Kenny Pickett, for example, when he started out, because I think at that point the Pittsburgh Steelers run game was averaging like what three point two yards per carry, three point like Najee Harris was just brutal, and that offensive line was just brutal at, at that time. The Falcons have been running all over teams for the most part, and you know even though the Saints run defense has been vaunted over the years, the Falcons still um, rushed for what. 180 yards on them in week one so I, I think they'll lean on the run game and they'll you know they'll lean on a lot of play action I think we will see we may see more play action passes than non-play action passes in this game that wouldn't surprise me at all 
we saw it, we saw Arthur Smith's spam play action in the preseason with when Desmond Ritter was in the game. So uh, I think that'll be a great way of protecting the rookie a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Ritter is really comfortable in play action, and I think that they're going to utilize that as much as possible. What's up, Big Low Country man? Welcome. How you doing? Uh, you, I saw your. I can't remember what the show was called. I think it's, is it out of your Falcon mind? That other podcast? Uh, I, I, I saw that uh, show with you on it. It was good stuff. So welcome. I uh, appreciate you tuning in. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you on it. I think they're going to do a lot of play action and I think they'll try to go with the run heavy game script as long as it's working. The saints traditionally have been a pretty good run defense, but this year they have fallen off. Like you said, um, they're, they're not as dominant as they have been in years past. I think right now, they're something like 20th in yards per attempt allowed and 19th in total yardage. So they're really not a very good run defense anymore. Um, they've still been pretty good against the pass. The only thing is they're like the worst team in the NFL in getting interceptions. They only have three on the season, um, which is pretty crazy low. Um, but they're like ninth in net yards per attempt allowed and 10th in yardage. So it's a pretty decent pass defense. So I expect the Falcons to, to try to exploit that, right? Just lean on their run game. Um, and get, try to give hope that I guess Desmond Ritter can hit those deep shots off of play action that Mariota just wasn't able to connect on more than a handful of times all season. Um, and I talked about it on the on the podcast on Tuesday that like I would gladly I would gladly trade like some of Mariota's rushing ability for the ability to just connect on a handful of those deep shots a game. Like, if you could, ha- if you told me Ritter hit one or two of those deep shots versus Mariota's rushing yardage, I would rather have the deep shots because that's what this Falcons offense was missing. They were getting explosive runs on the ground with the running backs. The The quarterback run was, interestingly, like, not something they had to rely on all that often because of how effective the ground game is in general. So, um, but how do you feel about that? I mean, are you just looking for basically more passing production from Ritter? I mean, I'm looking for more efficient passing. I'm looking for him to throw the ball closer to the vicinity of his wide receivers, which I I think I referenced the stat multiple times on the last show. Only Zach Wilson in the NFL was worse than Marcus Mariota when it came to, you know, catchable pass percentage in, in the NFL this season. But definitely, I don't think you could get much worse than Mar- Mariota was when it came to the deep passing. I I forget what the stat was. I think he was like, I, I don't want to say the incorrect stat, like two for 20 on like passes that traveled yeah. 20 yards downfield. Mm-hmm. Like something really bad. I know like we had that Demir Bird touchdown against Cincinnati, but that was about it. That was it. nice. That was nice. Yeah, it was really nice. But, you know, it was very few and far between. But like you said, you have to be able to connect on that deep, on those deep shots. And there's a reason why. Arthur Smith kept dialing those shots up, even though Mariota didn't prove that he could hit it consistently because, you know, Arthur Smith, you know, he knows an offense, like he knows his offense. He knows, you know, he's much smarter than us when it comes to calling an offense. And when it comes to the NFL, um, he knows that the opposing defenses will stack the box. Like that, that safety will come in. He'll be, you know, maybe seven steps, uh, you know, away from, <clears throat> from, from the rest of from the rest of the defensive line, as opposed to a traditional 12 or 13 steps away. Like when those safeties come into the box, you have to be able to take advantage of that. And I think just connecting on one of those deep shots, especially early on in the game, it would not surprise me at all if Arthur Smith you know, dials up a, a deep pass on the first drive, maybe even the first play of the game. And if the Saints dare Desmond Ritter, you know, to hit it, to beat them on it. Um, and if that happens, then suddenly you've thrown the first punch and suddenly the, the Saints defensive game plan, you know, possibly gets completely flipped upside down because all of a sudden now they have to account for that deep passing game. And we saw we saw Ritter connect on some some deeper passes, not, not no hail marys or nothing like super, you know, extravagant. But you know, we saw him convert what was a second and twenty eight against the New York Jets. We saw him convert a third and fifteen in that same New York. I think on the same drive, like Desmond Ritter, the ball was coming out of his hands 
really, really well. Like, yeah. I think he was uh, the ball was was coming out like better than I even saw it at Cincinnati for him. So, you know, I don't know if that's the product of having a, a full, uh, you know, NFL offseason, you know, regime with with uh, with the professionals in, in Atlanta. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like on Sunday. But it's definitely so important and so key to be able to connect on some of those deep passes. Yeah. And I agree. Like it, it's, I I think Ritter is just more willing to, to rip it into like tight windows than Mariota was. I, I think that's something that he's just schematically mentally more willing to do. And maybe that has to do with him being like a rookie who's coming off just an amazing college career who thinks he can do anything. And, you know, to some extent that's good and you need to have that confidence to be able to succeed in the NFL. And to some extent that's going to get you in trouble, especially early on in your NFL career. So we'll see if, uh, if that translates to anything, but maybe, and like I said, with the saints being, having the lowest interceptions in the NFL, maybe this is a good week to get Ritter out there because they're not a team that's capitalized on a lot of mistakes so far. And maybe that'll hold up it, even if he throws a couple errant passes or, or tries to rip it a little too tightly uh, into, into those tight windows that he might be able to get away with it this week. Um, but I think just what the Falcons were missing was the, the quick twitch decision-making and, and just the willingness to give your receivers a chance and the ability to get it in their zip code. That was really the thing. Like even when Mariota would throw these, these passes, a lot of times we'd see Drake London or, or Kyle Pitts, you know, open or have a step and the ball would just not even be close. Um, and you know, if Ritter can just get it a little bit closer and give them an opportunity to make a play, that would be helpful. Obviously guys have dropped, did drop passes for Mariota. But I mean, if you look at the stats, like the Falcons, I think aren't one of the teams that have a drop problem, you know, relative to the rest of the NFL. So it really wasn't that, um, it was, it was the on target percentage. That was the biggest issue with Mariota's passing statistically speaking anyway, that I think he was third worst or the Falcons were third worst and like lowest percentage of on target passes. And you know, it, when you're not passing at a high volume to begin with, it, it it stands out all the more because it it creates big problems for your, for your offense obviously when you when you're not completing passes but like the falcons needed to hit the passes they attempted and it goes back to some of the stats you mentioned i know you mentioned like the falcons were really bad on on deep throws but i think i can't remember if it was over the past 3 or 4 games but the falcons were like one of 20 on third and nine or, or longer um under over the last like 3 or 4 games and that's just a depressing stat like you have to be able to convert third and long sometimes. Like, obviously, it's going to be less than 50%, but, like, it can't be one of 20 or whatever it was either. And we mentioned it, like, on the show last week. It's one of those situations where if you had a flag against the offense, if you had a single run play that went, you know, negative, like, yardage, if you get sacked, the drive is over. Like, you can't you can't just punt punt that much on those kinds of drives, you know, punting literally and figuratively speaking right now, because it, it's one of those things where you have to, you know, give your offense, like you said, a chance to convert on, on those deep shots. And I'm pretty sure opposing offenses, the second there is a holding penalty are pre- like opposing coaches are preparing to get the ball back because it's like, all right, like, you know, they're not going to convert this with, with Marcus Mariota, like uh, yeah. throwing the ball the way he is like, deep out there and you know that they, they can pretty much uh, you, you know they can pretty much focus on taking away the line of scrimmage in that case um you know and the falcons really if if the short pass if the short pass or the run game won't get it done for you you're you're screwed your shit out of luck yeah that is the nice thing about this Falcons offense is they have been very successful on the ground. And even with teams basically selling out to stop the run more and more due to Mariota's underperformance in the team's general lack of production in the passing game, like the running game continued to work. Like the Falcons have continued to put up rushing yards every single week, regardless of teams selling out to stop them. So I think it bodes well for when they can unlock the passing game that they can, you know, have some success. It's just, I don't. I wouldn't expect it to just all of a sudden be different with Desmond Ritter. And I know Joe Schmo, uh, what's up, man, has raised some good points about that. Like, and and it's true. Like, deep passing in general this season is down. Like statistically, like scoring is down. Like this is a 
a year that the defenses have sort of bounced back against offenses. Um, and that is, that is a nat- that's like a league wide trend. It's not just the Falcons. And, you know, Joe mentions that the Falcons haven't really cut out the deep shots in their offense or really adjusted anything. Um, to, to try to combat what defenses have been doing, which is, of course, playing a lot more too high safeties, that sort of thing, to combat, like, the Patrick Mahomes-style offense and Josh Allen, these teams that really love to chuck it deep. The Falcons, I think, tried to sort of zig where other teams were zagging by going to this run-heavy approach, and it, I think it worked well early, um, and it just hasn't really done a lot sense like and, and a lot of that has to do with the passing game not being effective so um the good things that that should help Ritter in his first start would be the run game the offensive line has been playing better than it has all season particularly in pass pro over the past few weeks so if they can continue those trends in New Orleans this could set up well for him to actually have the support he needs to have a successful debut but it is like we've tried to make it clear, like this is a tough place to go play. The Saints could have be winless, and this would be a hardcore game where they would give it their all. Like they will, the Saints will always give maximum effort against the Falcons, regardless of what's going on. And I hope the Falcons would do the same against the Saints. Um, it's a rivalry game, and this is one of the best rivalries in the NFL. It's gonna be hardcore. Um, so it, it and it's gonna be loud in that stadium, regardless. So. It's a tough place for Ritter to come and play, but he's used to going on the road to hostile environments and, and winning. Like that, he's very experienced for a college quarterback. You know, he he has a ton of reps under his belt. He's been a guy who's been an underdog a lot. You know, playing at Cincinnati, the first Group of Five team to ever make the college football playoff. I mean, he's used to being the underdog, and um, you know, some guys thrive in that role, and, and that might be a good situation for him. Uh, as well mentally like maybe that's just maybe that's where he can thrive is like he's just I want to be that underdog and I want everyone to count me out um some guys you know need to manufacture that but I think for Ritter this is a real situation for him going up against the Saints this week yeah the Falcons are four point under the dogs this yeah. week like you know the sports books have the Falcons as under this isn't like Dabo Sweeney out here trying to you know, manufacture Clemson in, in their best years being the underdog. Like this is the Falcons are the underdogs in this game. Yeah, they are. They're they're four and a half point underdogs, and you know we'll see if that changes at all going in. You know, but I, I don't think it will. I think I think betters are going to be low on the Falcons. So, um, you know, if you're a crazy better, like I would never recommend betting on your own team personally. Like I'm not a betting person ever, but you know, I, I like the, the, the money line on this game. If you're a big fan of the Falcons, but don't bet on your team ever. Like, just don't do it. Like you, you, you bet with your heart and you lose money and it's not a good situation. So I don't recommend ever placing bets on your team. So that, that's my advice there. But, um, it is a, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they come out and play. Like, the Falcons are coming off a bye. They're well-rested. Um, and I, I think they have an excellent opportunity to to sort of finish strong in the Final Four. Um, I don't know that we need them to, like, win out or do anything crazy. I would just like to see, and we've talked about it a lot, more consistent passing, Ritter sort of looking comfortable, looking competent, looking like a good steward of the offense, not being a net negative, just looking like a, a, like someone that I just want him this week and over the final four weeks to be like, this guy is good enough that if he was the starter next year, we would feel comfortable with that because if that's the case, it opens up so many more options for you in the draft in free agency. Like you don't necessarily have to go all in on a quarterback. If one comes available, you don't have to try to sign some mid-level veteran to hold you over. You don't have to go draft someone like a Will Levis, uh, we'll talk about that. That was a, a mock draft pick this week. I do want to touch on that briefly before we we wrap up here. But um, I think at the very least, I just want to see Ritter just have some good throws, look look reasonably comfortable, and look reasonably competent. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for four. No, I'm not asking for anything crazy. Um, and I think, I don't want to speak for you, Adna, but I think you're in a similar boat. Like, that's all you're really hoping yeah. for. And I mean, if, if we get more, that's great. Yeah. It would be great. Like, it would be great, but it's not fair to, you know, put this on Desmond Ritter's shoulders. Like, you know, keep the keep the expectations in check. Um, but one thing I will say that I'm really happy about is 
I'm thrilled that the Falcons, you know, are in the scenario where these games mean something to potential postseason, you know, potential postseason birth, because, you know, this is invaluable experience because I think there is a difference between, you know, all right, you're out of it. You're well, five and eight should norm like keep you out of it in the normal season. If you're not the Falcons in the NFC South this year, but you know, let's say you're out of it. Um, I think that's different. That kind of those vibes are different versus all right. You're like in a weekly playoff push uh, with each passing, you know, game that you win. So, you know, I, I think that, I think this is invaluable experience to both Ritter and to all of the young guys on our team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's always great to have meaningful games in December. That that's what is even, you know, coaches, will always tell you that it, it's playing meaningful December football is what, what you're there for, what, what you want to be doing. Like you can't make the playoffs every year. You can't win the Super Bowl every year. I don't, I'm not willing to make Eldritch Eldritch pacts, you know, with various evil deities to, to ensure my team wins Super Bowls on, on maybe some are, you know, like Tom Brady perhaps, but uh, I would rather not grow go the uh, the dark magic route. I would prefer to just get there by you know building a good football team and roster, doing it the old fashioned way. But you know, uh, I can't speak for everyone else, of course. But I think we can hope for this team uh, to to hopefully show a little life. And I know people were saying there was a lot of buzz in the locker room today, like it, it was a very you know obviously people are. After a bye, everyone's well rested and all that stuff. That that's normal. But I think there was a lot like making a quarterback change. It can change more than just the way the offense functions. I think it can be a spark that sort of energizes the entire locker room, energizes the team, and you know it, everything was going one direction prior to the bye. The team had lost four or five games. The offense wasn't improving. It was getting worse with Mariota, and I don't want to bury Mariota, but it just wasn't. Um, it just wasn't like a great situation for anyone. And Mariota certainly wasn't helping himself either. So making the change was the right call. And hopefully it helps in terms of the ability for the offense to succeed both on the field and off the field, but also maybe like just energizes the roster, energizes the locker room. And, and that maybe, maybe that can translate to something good too. Like just having a little bit more energy around the team and positivity Maybe mentally that can help the team, you know, that, that maybe that can make the difference in a close game against the Saints this week. And, you know, getting a win over the Saints is huge for morale. It's huge for the fan base. We always really love to beat the Saints. We know that. So, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited for the game. I, I, I'm much more excited than I would have been if Mariota was starting, uh, to be clear. So, no matter what, we can watch this through the lens of let's see what we have in Ritter. Even if this thing goes sideways, we're going to learn something important. We're going to be able to evaluate him. And I, and I believe we'll probably see that at other positions too. We haven't, they're not going to like announce any of that, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see a lot more of Troy Anderson, if we see a lot more of D'Angelo Malone, those types of guys playing because it's, you know, we're in evaluation mode and, you know, yes, we could still potentially make the playoffs, but... I don't think necessarily that you're you're losing a lot by going to some of these young guys versus the veterans that were playing ahead of them. So um, I'm excited. Uh, hate week two, hate, hate week part two. You know, it, it, it's a good time. Um, and uh, you know, I I love Desmond Ritter. I I was a big fan of his the year before he came out. Uh, I was sort of like, oh, this guy. I think this is a guy that came up with the Falcons for a really long time. Um, I, you know, famously, not to toot my own horn, but I was the one who, you know, broke the news that the Falcons were officially interested in Ritter when they interviewed him at the Senior Bowl on the first day of media availability. Um, so I feel close to this, and, and I, I definitely have a, uh, I definitely have, like, a connection to to Ritter and, and want him personally to succeed for various reasons. So I'm, I'm definitely pulling for him. Um, I really like his game, and I, I think he is... The type of quarterback, like, he did get drafted in the third round, but this is a guy that I had a second-round grade on. I think he could have probably gone late first, early second. I didn't think that was out of the question for him. 
Um, I don't know why he fell as far as he did. It seemed like the entire NFL just sort of decided to pass on these guys outside of Kenny Pickett. But um, I, I basically, I know that the hit rate for third-round quarterbacks isn't very good. But I do think that Ritter is the type of third-round quarterback that might have a better shot than average because of who he is and, and sort of the situation around him getting drafted in like a weak quarterback class and that sort of thing. So um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, and I, I'm hopeful uh, that we'll, we'll get to see some good stuff from Ritter because I think he's, he's done all the right things so far. He's waited patiently for this opportunity, and now he's going to get a chance to, to earn a starting job. And as a third rounder, you're, you're never guaranteed necessarily to get that shot to, to get into the starting lineup. And he's got a legit one here over the final four games. And it seems like the Falcons have set him up, I think for some level of success. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm also rooting for him and obviously for the Falcons first and foremost, it would be, you know, a hell of a, it would be a hell of a coup to, you know, get that franchise quarterback if Ritter is that guy. I'm not saying he is in the third round. That's that's the kind of thing that can really, you know, make a huge difference for an entire franchise moving forward. Um, but you know, one way or another, you you know, he is a young quarterback. He has said all the right things. He's done all the right things. Uh, and you know, you you know, you hope that he will find some success. You hope that you know, he will showcase himself as someone worthy of competing for a starting job in the NFL, um, at the very least, to prove himself worthy of being a high-level backup uh, and someone who will have an NFL future for the next, you know, decade, whether it's, you know, as a starter or not. But, you know, what there is no better first impression you can make as the new quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons than by going into New Orleans and by beating the New Orleans Saints and effectively ending their season pretty much. So, you know, that's 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 a chance to become an instant legend. Uh, you know, for your not not like actually, but you know, you know what I mean. But he has a chance to really make the best possible first impression here in Atlanta. And, you know, the the city is rooting for him to succeed and you know, go out there, beat the Saints, and you will be welcome to home a hero. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I did want to get to one more donation here from Jason Gaines. What's up, Jason, with the $2? Thank you so much, man. And this is definitely something I wanted to touch on, too. Uh, he says, RIP to head coach Mike Leach. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from him is, if you get into a fight, don't take your helmet off. We're looking for smart football players, not dumb ones. In the interest of time, please don't get into any more fights today. Yeah, uh, Mike Leach, true innovator, uh, really funny guy too. Um, so he will be missed. Yeah, Mike Leach. That's a guy where, you know, if you do follow, you know, college football closely, that's you know that that is one of the guys, you know, in college football. Um, you know, one of the smartest and most innovative offensive minds. Um, someone who you know was a character, a personality. I think. You could write an, an entire book just based off Mike Leach quotes. You know, a, a very funny guy, um, someone who, like you said, he will he will be missed. Uh, the entire sport will miss him, and you know, our condolences go out to the entire Leach family because you know that's it's a very very bad situation and you know big tragedy. And college football, you know, suffered a. a a tremendous, a tremendous loss this week with with the passing of Coach Leach at, at yeah. the very, the very young age of sixty one. He, he he left far too soon. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, he's going to be missed. Like true innovator. I mean, a guy that has influenced both college and NFL offenses in just a massive way. I mean, it, literally the inventor of the air raid offense. So many coaches have taken inspiration from him. He has a massive coaching tree of guys that are still coaching today, like all over the place. Um, so one of the most innovative minds in college football and a real personality too. I know Thor Nystrom uh, shared a great video of some of his funniest quotes and things that he said, just, just all kinds of craziness. So definitely look that up. Um, but he, he was a great guy and we're going to miss him. Um, Falcons for life. G I did see your question about McGarry being re-signed. Um, that's something we're going to cover in like great detail at some point. Um, not tonight, 
I do I do know like that's gonna be a big topic. We're probably gonna do like a major segment, like probably twenty minutes or more, maybe an entire pod on like whether the Falcons should re-sign Caleb McGarry. So we will get to that. But yeah, I think how he plays over the final four games is gonna factor into that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean at this point, it it's he's in line for a big contract. I'll say that at least. Like, it, I mean at this point, I would expect him to get pretty significant money. Um, like fifteen million a year is what I would think is probably what what we should expect. Um, I know Aaron Freeman disagreed that he would get that much, but I uh, I think that he might. <laughs> so we'll see, and it depends on how he plays over these last four as well. Um, but yeah, I did want to t- also Todd McShay's mock. I think had the Falcons. He's predicting the Falcons to have the sixth overall pick, which you know I'm not upset about that. I am upset with the Falcons taking Will Levis. I don't know if you have takes on Will Levis yet, Adnan, or not, but well, um, I'm yeah. not for Will Levis. Like, yeah, I, I'm neither. sorry, like uh, I'm not for a quarterback where his best trait is, oh, he has, he has a big body, and you know, <laughs> and you know, he could be the next Josh Allen. Like, there's one Josh Allen. Like, yes, uh, there's uh, literally I'm, one time it's worked out. It's Josh Allen. Yeah, so I, I'm out. I'm out, out on Will Levis. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just he's all traits and like. I I was one of the people that was lowest on Josh Josh Allen coming out. Like full disclosure, like I thought Josh Allen was going to be a bust. I was like I thought the Bills made a big mistake by drafting him and like I I I'll own that. Like I was wrong on that, but I think you look at the history of teams who who pick players like Josh Allen and, and basically quarterbacks who have poor statistics like Josh Allen did, the hit rate is extremely low. Generally guys do not meaningfully improve from college to the NFL it can happen rarely but Will Levis inside the top 10 is not something I would sign up for um I you know I just don't I don't agree with drafting a traits quarterback that high I just like I would consider drafting Bryce Young you know I would probably entertain drafting cj stroud but will levis is not someone i'm interested in honestly i'm not really that interested in quarterback in general um i just i don't uh i don't really i'm not really a fan of taking a quarterback in this class right now because they're not going to be in range for bryce young who i think is the the guy in this class but you know cj stroud i think has some questions and we'll see you know where he ends up going but i i'm not in at all on will levis i i think the Bills caught lightning in a bottle with Josh Allen and it did work out for them, but I don't think I wouldn't g- go down that road trying to make that happen, <laughs> trying to, to recreate Josh Allen. I think that's just, that's a road that's going to be paved with a ton of failures. It was a ton of people, a, a ton of failures before Josh Allen. There'll be a ton of failures after Josh Allen. I'd much rather take like Anthony Richardson in the second round. If we want to take a traits guy or like Hendon hooker, who of course is probably going to miss a fair amount of next season with his injury. Um, or, you know, he, maybe he can play before, you know, the end of next season, or maybe he can come back for training camp. I, I don't know, but, and Hendon Hooker's an older rookie, but he's not going to require like a super early pick. Um, and of course, a lot of this has to do with how Desmond Ritter plays too. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out, but yeah, I'm, I'm not in on Will Levis. I'm just not gonna, I don't want to do that. <laughs> not interested. Um, I could be wrong about him too, though. You know, I'm not a perfect evaluator. I miss on plenty of guys. So, um, but yeah, Adnan, we've talked about quite a lot of stuff. Uh, anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap up tonight? Um, fuck the Saints. Go for Alkins. Uh, I do not apologize for my language. Um, we can't get swept by the Saints. We can't. Like, it, it's unacceptable. And if the Saints beat us and complete the sweep, then they will have officially tied us in head-to-head series record for the first time since 1970. So, you know what, you know, the, the, the Falcons, you know, your, your former player ancestors, you know, your forerunners, you know, do this for them. Do not let the saints tie you because, you know, if there's anything that the Falcons, you know, did well in the seventies and eighties, it was beat the shit out of the saints. And I would very much like to get back to that. Yeah, me too. Uh, definitely. Love the other stuff. To like, like well, we can leave everything else in the seventies and eighties. That was a terrible time yeah. for the Falcons. But yeah, I'll, I'll take the beating the Saints part for sure. Yeah, well, just that's all we want. Just beat the Saints. 
that that's all I'm asking for. You know, if they were to go one and three over this last four, but the one win came against the Saints, I would I would take that. I would accept that. So, um, that that's where we're at. But uh, yeah, guys, appreciate everyone for hanging out tonight. Uh, all like 120 of you or whatever. Uh, thank you guys so much for that. Uh, in in a difficult season, everyone's still hanging out. Uh, and we got it. We got a great off season coming too. Uh, like I said, we're, we're still fundraising for the senior bowl. We'll be doing that over the next couple months. It is in late January. For those that aren't aware, I will be on site once again for all of the practices. I just came up with my scouting list for the senior bowl. I'm going to try to watch at least 20 guys before I get there. Mostly defensive line. Um, because I still feel like that's where the Falcons have to get help. Um, and I just like watching defensive line, so that, that helps too. But uh, yeah, like and subscribe, guys, if you haven't done it already. Uh, we appreciate that. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, give us a five-star review. Uh, if you want to donate while we're off air, you can do, do so at streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. If you leave a question, we'll be sure to answer it on the next show. Or you can do Venmo. Uh, you can go to my Twitter, which is at Kevin. The link is on there. Uh, all that's going straight to the Senior Bowl Travel Fund, so we appreciate all that, guys. Thank you so much. Um, before we take off, though, I want to thank my co-host, Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you'd like to plug before we move on? Uh, out of the bye week, so back to regular articles, so series history and what if Falcons win and lose scenarios will be going this weekend. Yeah, yeah, check out those articles, folks. And like I said, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, I will have... Let's see all of our picks coming out tomorrow. Uh, I'll have the game preview uh, with former Saints wide receiver Terrence Copper. Uh, that will be coming out on Friday. Uh, so you can look for that. We're going to get into this Saints matchup. And then, of course, uh, we'll have five questions coming after that with Canal Street Chronicles, SB Nation's Saints blog. And then uh, for Sunday, just a heads up, I will be traveling on Sunday. I believe I should be, like, available to watch the game and do a show afterwards, but there's a chance, of course, with air travel, especially around the holidays, that that might not uh, happen for whatever reason, so I will try to keep you guys updated, but should be a post-game show at the normal time after the game, but if not, it's because I'm probably stuck in an airport somewhere, so appreciate your, your guys' understanding with that. But thanks again, guys, for tuning in. We will see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks. See you guys.